What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 198 of Misfits and Rejects. Today's episode, I spoke with Tim Conley. Tim is a business strategist who has a YouTube channel where he delivers business strategies for marketing agencies and also value-based pricing. Tim is all about value and what kind of value you are delivering to your customers. He goes really deep and talks about his experience in business, how he got started, and how he always comes back to that question, am I providing the kind of value that my customer is looking for? Because as we both articulated, we both have made the mistakes of starting a business with the desire to get something out of it for ourselves. Like me, for example, starting my online surf instruction business so I could generate passive income. You know, everything's coming back to me. And he said that is a classic mistake many people starting out in entrepreneurship do is they start something that they want fulfilled within themselves, whether it's financial, whether it's freedom, whatever it may be, and they completely ignore what the individuals want, who they're trying to deliver that valuable service or product to. This is a really great conversation and really evoked a lot of emotion and thought within myself that's bringing me back to where I'm at within my entrepreneurial journey and where I want to be in the next year or two. As I continue to progress as an online entrepreneur and continue to design that life that I've always wanted for myself. So thank you, Tim, for joining me. Definitely go to Tim Conley on YouTube. Check him out. There will be a link in the show notes. And if you're a first-time listener, please pull out that phone, hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to this on, whether it's on iTunes, Spotify, whatever it may be, clicking subscribe just really helps Misfits and Rejects get found a lot easier when people are searching for a podcast like this that's about travelers, entrepreneurs, adventurers, all the fun stuff that you guys have been hearing. And if you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can head over to misfitsandrejects.com backslash shop. You can pick up a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt. I love it when a fan sends me a picture of themselves wearing a Misfits and Rejects t-shirt around the world, wherever they may be. Or you can also head over to patreon.com backslash Misfits and Rejects and give a monthly donation to Misfits and Rejects to me, helping me continue to produce this week in and week out. It's all appreciated. Nothing is expected. But I hope you enjoy this episode with Tim Conley. So please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it, Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today, I'm joined by Tim Conley. He also has a YouTube channel, which you can find him at at youtubetimconley.com. Tim, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure, man. I appreciate you and your time for doing this. It's uh, interesting, all the li- different people I've been meeting through the DC and the various ways that they're making money online and the various paths that have brought them to online entrepreneurship, which I'm excited to have you on the show because I know you have been doing a lot of different things online for a lot of different years. And I'm excited to kind of dive into a lot of those things with you. Uh, Pre-show, we talked a little bit about your past podcast, which caught my attention. I'd kind of like to start with that because you met Dan Andrews, it sounds like, early on when podcasting was kind of just starting at the inception of podcasting. Is that kind of what I understand? I, oh, I wish. Uh, I, I think Dan and I both wish we were at the inception of podcasting. Uh, he was 2009. I was 2010. Okay. Uh, and podcasting had been a thing since 2004. Uh, okay. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. And, and I think both of us both of us felt like we were late to the game. And now we look back and it's like we were you know, kids just starting, you know, starting to walk. Yeah, no doubt. And just so the audience who's new to the uh, Misfits and Reject podcast, Dan Andrews is the co-founder of the Dynamite Circle, who a lot of us are a part of, and he's been on the show in the past. I'll put his episode in the show notes. But your podcast was called uh, Foolish Adventure Show, The Foolish Adventure Show? Yes, The Foolish Adventure Show. Such a great name for a business podcast. (laughs) Yeah, tell me more about that, because I'd like to understand the premise and then how you cross paths with Dan and because I know Dan was kind of situated in Southeast Asia as he started meeting a lot of the characters, the founding members, if you will, of the Dynamite Circle, which it sounds like you were kind of there at the inception. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there, there's a bit uh, in that. 
We'll go with first uh, the Foolish Adventure name and like with that, the, the creation of that. A buddy of mine, we met and we would sit and have coffee. And it was in a time in my life when I called myself semi-retired. And we would sit in a coffee shop for hours talking about business. He was a podcaster and he kept saying, oh, you need to come and you know start a podcast. We got to do a podcast together. And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. And six months of him doing this and us meeting weekly for three hours discussing business, he finally convinced me to start a podcast with him. And he loved the quote about uh, from Steve Jobs about uh, something about stay. I can't remember the full quote, but uh, it ends with stay foolish. And and then we were talking about this business being on the adventure of business. And I, also, I loved traveling. So we kind of just shoved those two things together to describe how you have to view business when you're just starting out that you are about to go on one of the most foolish adventures you're ever going to take. Uh, everyone will call you a fool that doesn't believe in you. And, and all the, and the things that make an adventure, like all the trials and tribulations that you can look back on fondly years later and say, Oh, that made that, that adventure exciting. That's business. Such a great analogy, Tim. Thank you so much for that. Cause yeah, you kind of just struck every single chord in my body that I've experienced at this point with this foolish adventure of entrepreneurship. <laughs> Cause, uh, the path has been rich and full of ups and downs, which as you know, and as I know is what it's all about, the path and not the, uh, the final destination. But that coffee shop in which you're having this conversation, where was that located? That was in. Uh, a small town in uh, in Arizona, outside of Phoenix, called Apache Junction, and and it was at a, uh, a really a really uh, kind of a rundown town, uh, but a really nice Starbucks, like one of the nicest I'd ever been in. And uh, he, I, I just happened to move out there. My wife and I were looking for horse property to buy, and. Uh, and he lived in in uh, Mesa, like on the border of those two towns, and that was his haunt. He would go there, and I just happened to be in there one day, and we'd met just just weeks before I moved out there, and and we we're like, hey, we know each other, and then that kicked off uh, a, a friendship that built a podcast that at one point had a million people listening to it. Interesting. That's a huge, huge number, my friend. And congratulations on that. What, how long did it take you to build that number? Uh, it took me almost four years and then I shut it down. Hmm. For any particular reason? I was bored. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I, I, I just, I, I was one of the uh, early people doing business interviews and I just got tired of interviewing people. And, and I kept trying to up my game and, and being good at it, but I, I only started the thing on a lark and, and it was just to be a hobby. It was just to be fun. And it stopped being fun. Uh, about three years in, it started to be work and needing to keep up uh, and make all those people who were listening happy. And, and it wasn't about me anymore which is fine. Like business isn't about you. It's about your customer. And I was still running a hobby when it had become a business. Mm -hmm. You mentioned, you know, you kind of found your place. You, you found a, a point in life when you started the podcast as a semi-retired person and you're a young man, Tim. So I'd be really interested to know like how you became semi-retired at such a young age. Well, I, I, I think I've, I've passed the young part now that uh, most of my face is gray. Uh, but uh, when, I, when I retired, it, I was uh, 38. And, and I just, I was just kind of done. Uh, I, I, I sold off a, a swimming pool business. I had been running a, uh, a design agency, a, an advertising and design agency. I'd been running that and I was just done doing that kind of client work. And, 
And so I shut that down and I just was like, I'm just going to take some time off. And it didn't stick. So that's uh, hence the semi-retired part. So I just worked part time with some clients who kept asking me for help. And and as long as it didn't feel like work, it I, I did it. And and then then I just kind of got dragged back into entrepreneurship from that. Interesting. I mean, dragged is such a strong word because most entrepreneurs that I meet find it very hard once they do kind of sell off that business and get that chunk of change or whatever. Maybe they have cash flow that's coming in that allows them not to work because it's all automated. They still just can't like leave it alone. They have to continue to create. I mean, is this kind of your art form, would you say? Is there something in you that needs to create and this is just your medium? I, I, you know, I, th- I, th- I think so. I, I'm a problem solver and, and business has some of the most interesting problems to me. Like I've tried solving other problems. I used to be, I used to do environmental work. I used to do a bunch of other things. And like, I, I, I thought I liked solving certain problems or at least ultra altruistically, but the reality was I, I enjoyed the business game. I liked I liked the fact that you could take an idea, manifest it into reality, and alter an entire community. It sounds like, you know, with your pool and ad agency, you're you're in the brick and mortar game and then the online space became more available to anybody who wanted to get into it. Where did you start when you started trying to develop, you know, businesses online? Uh 19 uh, well business online uh, came about starting in 1995 going before that would would have been say late 1988 early 1989 it's the first time I ever was ever online uh, through CompuServe uh, and it and I scrounged as much money as I possibly could to pay uh, to pay my parents the long distance bill that that it generated because it was like i don't know like a dollar something for the very first minute and then another uh, 75 cents for every minute after and the dial up speed i think i think my first dial up speed was under 14,000 baud um which like we don't even measure that anymore. Everything's in gigs now. And so to think back how ridiculous that was to sit there and wait and wait at that at that speed, it would take forever for a message, a text message to be transmitted and then another one received. So it was incredibly expensive to be online, especially as a teenager. And painfully slow, it sounds like painfully slow but there wasn't anything else you could do other than text so so that's what you were doing you're just texting yeah yeah there there were there were some bulletin boards uh, there were um uh, the ability uh, i can't even remember all my terms from way back then uh, but the ability to uh, communicate back and forth with people nowadays we can do it so fast but it was literally here's here's some words to you and some words back there were some early businesses on there, uh, not businesses, hustlers. There were some early hustlers, people who sold uh, their software. So they, you would find them on a bulletin board and then you could send them money through the mail and then they would mail you back, hopefully mail you back uh, a bunch of disks, floppy disks, and you could put that into uh, your Commodore 64, which is what I had. And and then play a, a a really terrible game, but it was it was a ton of fun. <laughs> That's so interesting, man. I mean, I haven't had many guests on the show who can go back and talk about those times. So then, when you did decide to break into monetizing something online, what did you try to monetize first? I learned how to hand code web pages, and and I don't even call them websites. They were literally a web page, like a single page, and you had to write it in a text editor and then upload that text file. And that was your very first page. 
Jesus. It was and, awesome. And what, were you, it was, <laughs> what were you getting paid for that, though? Like nothing. I was uh, at the time, uh, you know, like there wasn't really any I, I didn't understand what I was doing. I, I, I was about to say, like, there wasn't any possibility, but there were there were other people out in Silicon Valley and and around the world who were actually understand truly understood what they had in front of them. And, and they built gigantic companies from that. Uh, some disappeared in the process, but they, they, they understood. I had no clue. I had no mentors. I was in Southern Illinois. Uh, I was this weird kid who liked getting on a computer, but I wasn't like fully into the, the tech. And so like from there, like, as I progressed, went into went into the military. And so I already understood some computers uh, played around there and then, then came out of the military and, and just uh, started playing with things like gopher and stuff like that in college. And, and then, uh, and then I just started, I was like, Oh, I should learn how to code this, these web page things. Like they, they seem like they could be cool. And I started charging a little bit of money. I don't even remember how much, probably not even a hundred bucks, uh, probably like a couple of hours worth of work. And I probably got, you know, maybe 20 bucks or something, but I, I you know, I didn't care. Like I, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then, and then one day I just kind of woke up to like the possibility. And I think that was because it's, uh, the news reached me saying there were people my age who had my skills who were becoming rich. And that's when I was like, oh, I should do something about that. Okay. And what was that thing? And I tried to start an international tourism company. I, I, I loved traveling the world. So I was actually more trying to scratch my own itch. Like, how could I get paid to travel the world? That was, that was the problem I was trying to solve. Not, not, I wasn't trying to solve the problem of, how do I, how do I uh, do something amazing for a customer? I was trying to figure out how do I get people to pay me so that I can travel the world? Like, like it kind of had that business backwards. <laughs> I mean, you could have been the first trip advisor and just not knowing it. Yeah. Well, you know, like I, I, I don't think like I, I look back and, and I realize like how much, how little vision I had at the time. Like I, like I was just looking for, I was just looking for the ability to generate freedom. That's what I was looking for. And I looked at the internet as this, as this mechanism for being able to do that. And, and I was right. I just didn't know how to make it. I mean, this is really relevant to me because that's my exact motivation. Probably a lot of people listening and probably a lot of people in DC is why I got into online entrepreneurship is like, I wanted to create that freedom. The passive income stream that was going to put $500 a month in my bank account to like keep me on the road in third world countries. You know, that's kind of what I modeled my life after is just that motivation. Um, but it's been a huge struggle, tremendously difficult. So my question to you is hindsight 2020. Um, what'd you do wrong? Like where, where did you mess up? And then where did you find your, your footing? Well, the, what I did wrong is I focused on me. Uh, it, it's it's one of these weird paradoxes, and and going back to Dan Andrews, he and I had some beers and discussed this uh, this paradox of pass like passive income mm -hmm. uh, uh, in 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 the Philippines. So uh, pa a passive uh, a paradox in the Philippines. Oh, the the f like I don't know tangent there. Uh, my my little ADD brain, and uh, we we were t uh, having this discussion about. If you the more you focus on creating this passive income for yourself, the less likely you'll ever get it. Yeah. And, and for me, like I started business thinking, I'm going to do this for me. It's going to give me what I want. And and if you look at like the like and and I knew better, I, like I really did. Like I, I loved Jim Rohn. And and Zig Ziglar and all those guys like those were my personal development in the in the in my coming up. And, you know, they tell you, like, if you want if you want all the things you uh, that you want out of life, you just have to give enough people what they want. 
in life and you'll get as you'll get everything you want. I couldn't agree more. Yet I do find myself giving a lot and maybe still for the wrong reasons because I am looking for that freedom. But I guess you also have to be very calculated in where you give and what niche if you are trying to develop a brand or a business. I think I got into the online surf instruction space too early. You know, surfers still aren't quite looking for surf instruction online. Um, I built a course around it because, you know, the years in which I've been working with surfers, I know exactly where they struggle with the most and the questions they ask me. I built a course around that. I found a price point I thought was kind of what they wanted based on the amount of people that were purchasing it from me. But still, it's like not a viable business after five years. You know, I had to shut it down. Yeah. And, and that might like, that might be the thing. Uh, but if people weren't buying it, it, uh, it wasn't that you gave uh, too much. It was that you gave the wrong thing. Fair enough. Because, because it's, uh, you gave what you wanted to give. And they were looking for what they wanted, right? And, and that's, all, that's always the thing about business. You put value out in the world or what you believe to be valuable, and then the market, the world tells you if it's valuable or not. And then you have to come to the realization that, oh, either A, this isn't very valuable, or B, I don't know how to communicate the value to the right people, Right. Yeah, you're a big value guy just in the in the research I did about you prior to this this conversation. You know, with your YouTube channel just really helping people understand like delivering value is like your number one tenant under the impression. Yeah, it, it's it and you and I learned that lesson that I couldn't deliver the value that I desired. I actually had to deliver the value that my customer desired. And that's and I think that's where a lot of people new to entrepreneurship, you know, mess up the value discussion because everyone agrees with that. You know, the whole givers gain you, uh, you know, you get back what you give. You know, people agree with that, but then they don't live it. I mean, yeah, just an example for me, like for the five years of trying to really help people understand this model, I was getting a lot of people like, hey, if you're ever in uh – Australia, if you're ever in Bali, if you're ever in Southern California, I'd love to meet up with you and, and get a surf lesson where it's like I was so over doing surf lessons. You know, I've been doing them for 10 years, but yet that's still kind of where people saw the value in what I was offering in person instruction out in the water. Yep. And had I, you know, dived into that like full bore and, and given that 100%, you know, I probably we'd be having a different conversation right now, but I was burnt out kind of like you and your podcast. Exactly. Well, so, so with my podcast, it was a hobby, Okay. right? My hobby became a thing I didn't want it to be. And that, uh, that is why I was burnt out. Um, you know, you were burnt out because you were wanting one thing and the thing that you were doing to achieve that other thing, they didn't line up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, had, if the goal was, I want to, surf and I want to teach surf because I love giving value to uh, surfers, then the way you went about it would not really matter. So true. Yep. Got to get those things in line before you execute. Well, uh, so on that execute thing, you don't know, right? Uh, Steve Jobs, like you uh, said, you know, you look back and you, you connect the dots looking back. You never know how your your the dots that you're putting down are going to connect going forward. You never know. You have to look back and see, oh, I did these things and I learned these lessons. Now I can connect those dots. Absolutely. With you uh, and Dan Andrews having that conversation in the Philippines, did you go seek him out in the Philippines or did you happen to be in the Philippines at the same time and just meet up? Because you, you mentioned pre-show that you both kind of admired each other from afar and then it sounds like you had that moment of meeting. Yeah, yeah, we had a little bromance going on, and and uh, we started. Uh, uh, he he and his business partner Ian Schoen. Uh, Ian never gets the love; it's always Dan. Uh, but uh, and Ian's the smart one. He's he's the one you should be talking to. <laughs> so uh, uh, they decided to do 
a, a they decided to do a mastermind and I saw that they were going to do this thing and I, I just reached out and like, Hey, you know, can I be a part of it? And he's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you want to be a part of our little mastermind. And, and, and I was like, I can't believe you would let me in your little mastermind. So that, that conversation led, uh, led to a mastermind, which led to, uh, Dan and Ian running the very first tropical MBA event, uh, educational event. They had done a party like before that, but an educational event. And it was in Porto Galera in, in the Philippines. And it was like three weeks long and people had to travel from all over the world to this remote island in the Philippines uh, to hang out and co-work uh, in, in, a, in, in a tiny little resort. And it was a ton of fun. And I, I uh, on my own dime, flew out there and helped uh, teach some of the some of the lessons that were that were there. That's so cool. I mean, I'm still fascinated. Would like to get Dan back on the show and talk more in depth about this inception because I feel like he was kind of at the forefront of a movement and captured it and has done a great job of maintaining the integrity of what this is that we all love so much about the dynamite circle and being a digital nomad and online entrepreneur. Can you kind of just go in more depth on that experience and like flying to the Philippines and, and hanging out for three weeks, like atmosphere is what everyone every day is having like the same kind of seminar seminars that we have now, where someone kind of leads on a topic that they are an expert in or know a lot about. Right. Uh, so Board shorts and singlets, uh, and for everyone else out there who doesn't know what a singlet is, it's you know a, a tank top shirt, you know a sleeveless shirt. That was that was our business attire uh, because it was incredibly hot and humid, and uh, and then we would work at uh, at these little plastic tables and on incredibly slow internet, and then we would all run out into the, into the ocean and uh, 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 cool off uh, in, in the ocean. And then we'd come back and sit down and work again. And, and it was uh, surrounded by jungle and, and it was just the craziest, craziest way of doing any kind of business. So was that the first experience you'd had like that in your life as an entrepreneur, as a traveler in general? Um, it, like like that, like an educational, like an educational thing, uh, uh, and directly business. But back in 1998, I was in Sri Lanka and met a guy who was traveling the world. He was a Canadian guy, and he traveled the world uh, for part of his business. And he worked six months a year, and and then the other six months he went mountaineering. And at the time, I was, I, uh, you know, I'd been a rock climber and all this stuff. So I thought the guy was incredibly fascinating, and he just would not divulge anything about business. But we would have like tertiary conversations around business, and I was like, I am going to find a way <laughs> to do this. Like, and then, I, and then I met another guy who was an Australian who sold uh, art supplies, and he traveled the world finding the best art supplies to import back into Australia. And, and he got to see uh, amazing parts of the world and discover new pigments to put into paints and things like that. And that guy was immensely fascinating. And then, uh, then I ran into another guy who was a gem trader and he would, he had this little triangle going where he would go to Sri Lanka and get gems that were in Sri Lanka, like rubies and uh, I think sapphires and some, uh, I'm not sure about emeralds. And, and then he would take those and fly to South Africa and trade them for diamonds and then take those diamonds to Australia and trade them for opals and then the opals back to Sri Lanka. And, and that was his triangle trade. And, and, it was it was just it was amazing that I, I was like I'd never met anyone who lived one off their own wits in an international fashion. 
like I'd met self-employed people in the United States and like, oh, wow, you know, they seem to have a bit of freedom, but I, but they never go anywhere. These people went everywhere. And that that started that that started me on the path of knowing, like, I can do this. What you just said absolutely captured the essence and sort of motivation for me to start Misfits and Rejects, meeting those characters who were like smuggling gold in their ass out, out of Nepal back in the day when I was on the road, you know, and making yeah. you know a life out of that. It's just like these characters who just through sheer grit, ingenuity, creativity, and a lust for adventure design these lives for themselves that I just like so fascinated by. And then through seeking out stories like those, I kind of stumbled into this world of digital nomads who are doing it in a way more legal way, you know, through and, and way more scalable to where like a lot of these people are doing seven figures from their laptop while on, you know, in a co-working space in Bali. And it's just such a cool evolution of adventure, business and travel. Exactly. Uh, it's, it, I, that is, that is the thing that gets me still crazy excited that this thing, we can't see it, this internet, we, uh, we only have an interface to it is a conduit to all the dreams you could possibly have. Absolutely. So, I mean, we haven't even really talked about what you do now. I think we should probably jump <laughs> into that for a second. Cause I'd like to get back to the travel stuff. Cause that's where I think this is going to be exciting, but let's talk a lot about what you're doing to help entrepreneurs and what is it online advertisers to really help scale their business. Well, I've been helping agencies lately, and and that was because uh, my customers kept coming to me, and they happened to be agencies. I I love solving all kinds of business problems. I've I've fixed uh, apparel companies, I've fixed uh, a, a supplement companies, nutri you know nutrition supplement companies, and just a gamut of different businesses. Because having previously run an ad agency, I had a lot of experience on how to actually get customers and and uh, fix some of the operational issues that uh, a a business has and and a variety of businesses. And so, uh, in the last couple of years, I started making content solely for uh, agency owners because so many of them were coming and asking me to do work for them. And I, I decided to be a smart business person for a change and actually uh, say yes to a market that desired to work with me. Nice. And then they are hiring you as um, consultant, an advisor, an advisor, as an advisor. Okay. Yep. And you just take them through the ins and outs of what you've learned over your years of experience and, and help them uh, generate more sales. Basically, it sounds like. Exactly. You know, I point them in the right direction. You know, I, I put on my uh, hard hat and vest and, and I and stand there on the sidelines and I point them in the right direction and then they go, you know, execute. Nice. And you, where are you where are you based now? I have been in Phoenix, Arizona now for a lot of years, like 16 years now. And do you find that horse farm you're looking for? Yeah, we are. On, well, yeah, we're on a, a, a small piece of property and have four horses on it. Nice. Do you want me asking what your wife does? She is an, I'm, I, I guess an, a, an IT analyst. Um, I always find it funny to say that because she can barely turn a computer on. Uh, but she actually works on computers all day long and uh, writes uh, writes some code uh, for. Uh, uh, lab, uh, healthcare laboratory equipment to talk to the rest of the software that that runs the hospitals. Okay, I mean, she is she doing this because she loves it? It sounds like you both have kind of settled into a retirement sort of lifestyle. Does she have to work? Uh, no, but she has quit a few times since we've been. Uh, you know, in all the years we've been together, she's quit a few times, and it never sticks. Uh, she goes, she goes nuts, not having, having that. And she just loves, uh, having her own money. She's not passionate about her job, but it, you know, it pays really well. So, uh, so having that, uh, can afford her, her horses. I see. I see. I mean, that's another question I have with her love for horses and 
couldn't that take up all her time and she be fulfilled with just doing that? You would think, uh, I, I think I would like if I, like the things that I'm passionate about, like they can take up quite a bit of my time. Do you still rock but climb? For some, uh, no, no, a uh, different story, different story as to why that's a, a thing. But, um, it, it is definitely possible for me to never work. And, uh, I think I think I, 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 I think I, I think I'm lying because I can never say no to work. I always keep getting clients. So uh, so, yeah, I, I I think we're both workers like we, we like creating stuff. We like having money uh, that we don't have to dip into our our savings to go do fun stuff. Uh, I, I think that's I think maybe that's it. Maybe we're just cheap. No, that's fair. Um, why, why settle in Arizona? Like with your lust for and love for travel, why not, you know, become an expat and settle in Argentina where there's tons of horses? Well, uh, I like being around the world. Um, my wife does not. She's not interested in it at all. She's not even interested in Canada. Um, uh, just, just not interested in it. And, and, um, uh, she likes it being here in Phoenix. The particular uh, horse uh, sport she's in is endurance racing. And out in the western, uh, the western states, we've got lots of open land, public lands, where they race horses for fifty to a hundred miles. Okay. And and so she really enjoys that. We picked where we're at in uh, in Phoenix or outside of Phoenix because we're out in the rural area. And we're surrounded by horse uh, horse owners, and uh, a bunch of them are her friends, and she likes to hang out with them and ride horses together. Makes total sense. So it sounds like when it's time to take that trip, you're your solo traveler. Yep, yep, and have been for a ton of years. Uh, I just like I get a, a really antsy, and it's like she's like, oh, it sounds like it's time for you to leave. And then I just hop on a plane and I go somewhere for a month and then I come back and then uh, a few months go by and then I hop on another plane and I go somewhere for a month or so and then I come back and been doing that for years now. And that's cool. That's a, that's a great lifestyle. What is the draw for you? What is that thing that drives you back out into the world? I mean, obviously everyone's like, I love travel, but there's always that one thing that people really get motivated by, whether it's the sights, the food the individuals they meet on the road. What is it for you? <laughs> uh, yeah, when you say it, said all those like sensible things, I was like, wow, um, maybe I should make something up. Uh, James Bond. Yes. That's a great answer. I was, I was seven years old, seven years old, like seven years old was the time. I think I actually, I just, I became self-aware and aware of my surroundings or aware that I lived in a, a, a rural life uh, and very isolated from the rest of the world. And and I was watching um, oh, a Moonraker. I was watching Moonraker and and James Bond was doing all this amazing stuff. And and I, I was just like, that's that's what I want to do. I want, I want to be that guy. He goes everywhere and does amazing, fun things. And, and my whole life has been some variation of pursuing to be Bond. What's the most James Bond experience you've had thus far? Um, one that really was kind of fun. It was one of the worst, worst scenes in one of the Bond movies, but the, uh, a racing scene in the, on the river in Bangkok and standing there looking at similar boats go buzzing by like that, you know, I could just standing there as an adult, uh, imagining seven year old me like fantasizing about being on one of those boats. And here I was getting on one of those boats. This is great, actually. I've had a similar experience. So when you did have that moment, did it feel the exact same as when you felt it at seven years old? Yes. Uh, you know, more, more so because uh, for people who have never been to Bangkok, um, it's got 
more sights and sounds and smells than your body can actually process. And like to the point of you're walking by and you smell something amazing, some food that's cooking, and you start to take a deep breath to just really own that scent. And then you get hit with like a sewer smell or some other weird, <laughs> weird nastiness all in the exact same breath and your lungs freeze up, right? That, that experience, like uh, tied to that movie scene, that it was, it was um, transcendental. I, I, maybe I'm just overstating it. You know, it felt, it felt uh, out of body for me. I have those experiences to this day, for sure. Lots of them. It's, and, and in Thailand, for sure, I think is where I experience a lot of them. I, I'm somebody who likes watching like food shows, foodie shows. So, you know, just walking past a restaurant that I've seen, you know, famous chef like Anthony Bourdain walk past or something like that gives me that experience like, oh, this is so cool. I'm really living it. Like one, one contrasting experience I had was I was on a train in India and the scenery was such that I knew I had seen it in a movie that had a, a great sort of um, audio track to it that really brought out a certain emotion when I was watching the movie. And in that moment, I had this kind of like lightning bolt feeling of like, this is real. I'm on a train in India overlooking this beautiful scenery in the you know second class sleeper. It smells like shit. Like the music's not playing now. And the emotion is completely different. And that one really stuck with me as like, I have been fed so many lies over the years of just engulfing myself in so, too much t television and movies. And like, this is actually real. And I need to have more experiences like this to really experience life rather than sitting in front of a television, you know? Yeah, I, I think so. I, for me, I, I still love to indulge in the fantasy of it uh, because, you know, reality is reality. No matter where you go in the world, it's, it's still that. And, and part of the whole reason to travel is to not, uh, you know, it's, I, I didn't say, uh, I, I, you know, go out and try to be my own, you know, become a spy or to be something. No, I wanted to be James Bond. Like, this fictional character uh, to be able to go out and experience these things and, and then just go back to life. Right. I, like I, I found that like that sort of thing made me happy. It's like, it was a way of being able to just go out, experience something that, that was not my norm and, and, and allow me to sort of recalibrate, recalibrate. I think that's the, the best thing to describe the, the, the feeling is like you come back and you look at your normal life and go, Oh, I don't really need that. Uh, I, Oh, this other part really needs to be in my life because I got to experience it at a, at a different, in a different perspective somewhere else. Yeah. I think that's one of the most, yeah, the most, one of the most powerful effects of travel, you know, that contrast, that perspective that we all get from it and take away that, I think just gives us more sense of purpose and presence and, and then allows that creative side to grow, you know, where you are getting to experience those smells that you can then draw upon if you are creative and you want to paint or you want to write or you want to do whatever. Are you a writer or do you have a creative bone in your body that plays music or anything like that? Oh, I wanted to be an artist and and was uh, groomed to believe that artists don't make any money. So I became a designer because <laughs> mm -hmm. designers actually work, for, uh, do art for money. And, uh, and then over time, that, that design went from, from the physical act of drawing to, uh, to the mental, the intellectual pursuit of you know, making businesses. Nice. Do you see businesses and new or new businesses on the horizon? Because you've kind of alluded to the whole conversation, like once you get bored with something, you move on and you create something new. So do you foresee a new sort of business venture on the horizon? <laughs> Always. I, I've changed. I've changed, though. Instead of it being me, like the only thing I look for right now is who can I invest in? Not 
not what business can I do? Because I've already got loads to do. Like I, I do my I do my actual work of helping entrepreneurs. I am uh, an investor and uh, head of marketing for an an, an agency. Uh, well, uh, stop calling it an agency. We trans- transformed it from an agency into a training company. So we uh, have this training company, and 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 I've been a lot of my content, a lot of the things that I produce is so that I can find investment opportunities, a P, uh, you know, like young hustlers that are coming up that just need some guidance, maybe a little bit of cash, and and that's that's what I look for now. Interesting. So kind of like a, a VC venture capitalist, but with more like a hands-on sort of effect on the individual who's trying to grow their thing. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of VCs like have talked to uh, several and I've looked at their investments and, and, you know, and angel lists and all that. And most of those people are actual gamblers because, because they're going in there shooting for huge odds as a, whereas I'm looking for cash flow businesses, ones that can be, that can generate a steady stream of cash, doesn't have to be big, just a steady stream of cash that can be turned into an asset and then either, uh, you know, sold or kept forever. Hmm. I like that model a lot. I, I can, yeah, I relate to that. Do you think you are a good judge of character when it comes to working with those types of people and picking, picking winners? Uh, trust, but verify. Um, that's, that's how, that's how I run with, with, uh, doing business with people because a lot, most people, you'll never know who they really are until there's real stakes involved. So either things are going really bad or badly, if you've got good grammar, uh, they're either doing badly and then you get to see who they are or things are going so well, then you get to see who they really are. Why'd you, why'd you emphasize that? Why, what is doing greed? Okay. I see. Greed, 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 greed. Um, uh, uh, it's human nature because, and, and we justify it. One of the best books out there about this is winning through intimidation by Robert Ringer written, I think, in the 1970s. And he talks about all the different types of people you're going to meet in business who want to take your chips. He's talking about poker chips. Because uh, uh, poker, chi- you know, you go to a casino, those chips have real, you know, monetary value. And you will run into these different people in business who will rationalize the taking of your chips. And, and, and so... So somebody can seem to have amazing integrity, but you'll find out when things go horribly wrong, if they own up to it, uh, whether they they make it right. And then uh, if things go incredibly well, because a lot of people are willing to sacrifice when things go badly, the, they'll own up to that. And it's, uh, especially in the United States with uh, sort of our um, – uh, Calvinist, uh, you know, Protestant upbringing uh, that in, in the United States that you, you sacrifice for people like you got to do that. But then on the other side, when things are going extremely well and the money starts stacking up, that's when you usually get to see who they really are. I'm assuming you're speaking from experience, probably multiple experiences of having someone multiple experiences. Uh, yeah. Cut, cut me out. Uh, 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 lawsuits, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Uh, the people that that don't have integrity when things are going really well will find every reason, every logical reason why your money is their money. And and I and and you know, I'm not saying this as to be like cynical or or like oh, those people are terrible people. I'm not saying that at all. It's just this, just human nature. Most people are like that. Uh, when when things are uh, at one extreme or the other, you get to find out who they really are. Is there one success story you'd like to share with us where you help them and you both reap the benefits of the success that you helped them grow? No, no, 
<laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, there's been a few where we've made money, mm-hmm. um, but I don't deem them successes. Like, uh, so, uh, no, we don't. We haven't spoken to each other in 15 years. Okay, but I mean, I guess a positive, like, on, like you know, ending on a positive note, where you felt like, you know, you really stepped in and helped them grow, and then they appreciated you, and you can you can share, you know, the name of the business or something like that that people can go check out. You don't have any one of those? No, okay. no. That's actually very interesting. No, to I, uh, like, like right now I'm currently in a business uh, that uh, things are going well. And, and, uh, you know, Joe and I, we talk on a daily basis and everything. Um, but you know, it hasn't come to like our partnership has not come to a completion yet. So, so I can't say like, I can't name, like go, yeah, that's an example because it's still ongoing when things are ongoing. Like you know, everybody's like, yeah, that, that, that seems great. And that, that's awesome. But most, like most of those business event, uh, uh, ventures, are short-lived. They uh, and and it's and it, and I don't hold any like ill towards any any of those partnerships and investments that I've made. Uh, but you know we don't speak, and that's kind of how I've uh, I actually measure success. Whereas a VC measures success by uh, did you cash out? It doesn't matter who you burn. In the process, did you cash out or not? And my version, my version of success is: Do we still like each other? And do you have a handful of those in your? Uh... Um, not like people. I've not spoken to them in years. Like, yeah, I don't. Uh, we probably would have a beer together. Okay. But we wouldn't actually. Like, we, we don't talk. But you like each other. I guess I'm just confused. Like, you still like each other, but you just through the process of business and just as people come together and move apart that's just kind of how the, the relationship moved on or was yeah it? Okay. yeah yeah just where where we didn't part on the best of terms because money was being split okay i understand now right yeah yeah very clear um and and so it's like we're so so when you say we're friends no we would have a beer we'd be cordial but we we are not friends okay well that's interesting then like you know, with the the business that you talk about where you're looking for people to invest in and the amount of times that you've, you've been burned, it sounds like, why would you continue to, to stay interested in that business model? I love the game. Um, so, so, you know, uh, the, uh, the business model, it's, uh, I've done like nine of these in okay. my whole career. Okay. So, so we're not saying like a ton, a ton of people, um, we're, we're talking about just, um, looking for that next game you asked about like the next business and the next business is going to be another person like joe that i'm going to invest in um will it turn out great Uh, i hope so like i'm an optimist i'm like a crazy optimist you got to be an optimist to be an entrepreneur and i like i'm optimistic with everyone i meet and but then you just get to know each other and you make an investment and it either pans out the way you hoped it would or it doesn't. Sometimes you make money, sometimes you don't. And and then you just you know move move forward. Um, that, that's, that's why like I, like I try, you know, it's kind of fun to sit and reminisce on these things because I don't dwell on them like they they happened and they're gone. And and you asking about them makes me like try to dive back into the details that I've not thought about in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had an interesting conversation with Henry Doss. You obviously know him from the DC. And um, he kind of talked about waking up every day and doing like an emotional litmus test on where he was on that day and how he was going to approach the market because, as you know, he's an investor. But he also commented on business should be the same. Like you got to go into a business being, you know, emotionally kind of neutral on a daily. Put your heart and soul into it, but like don't generate your identity from the success or failure of the business. Um, and don't, um, get over emotional about things when you have to make a decision and then you'll become successful. If it, if it was so clean, if it was just so clean, <laughs> no, of course, but, of course. but like I said, you know, it's, it's humans. So, so like, I, like, I want to be clear, like we parted ways and I could like leave this in the tone of like, I didn't do anything wrong. Well, the other person believed I did. 
right? That that I wasn't owed the money that I was owed, uh, or or any of any of the number of things that pa- we parted ways on. So so it business is business is personal. That, that that's why I measure the I I like to measure the success on do we have these long term relationships going forward? Like I I still talk to clients from years ago. Like I, those, I find some of like the better uh, relationships I've had has been with clients than business partners. Yeah. Yeah. Partnerships are interesting. And I've been lucky enough to be thrown into situations where they worked really well, but I find myself not being good at picking business partners. I'd almost rather just have us be thrown together because I'm good at adapting and seeing their strength and then just kind of filling in the gaps rather than. Um, me being like, I'm good at this. I'm going to try to find somebody who I think is better at the things I'm not. That never works out for me. (laughs) I don't think it works out for most people. Uh, when you look at business partnerships, very few of them last for very long. Dan and Ian have had a a fairly long one and look like they will have a much, uh, you know, and it'll continue going on into the future for, for a while. Yeah, they seem to have a very, you know, strong mutual respect for each other and their personality traits and what they want out of life. And they have their meetings online and they meet up, you know, once a year in Austin or twice a year. And it's like, that's kind of how they roll. Yeah. And so so you have that. But then you have other famous partnerships like uh, the two Steves that created Apple and and uh, if you listen to interviews by uh, Steve Wozniak, uh, he will tell you, you know, he says some nice things about, you know, jobs, but uh, jobs hosed them out of out of a significant portion of the business. <laughs> and, and then I think fired him from uh, from the business or, or he ended up quitting because he couldn't couldn't do something in the business. Right. So partnerships don't tend to last very long. Yeah, no, that's interesting, man. With if you could like um, jumping topics real quick, if you could fly anywhere in the world right now, without obviously the circumstance we find ourselves in COVID, but <laughs> without like, needing to uh, put on a hazmat suit. Yeah, exactly. Where would you go? Where would I go? Uh, it's getting hot right now in Arizona, so I would probably pick somewhere cool. Um, it's been a while since I've been to Germany. Um, Oh gosh, but there's a few other places in Europe that I would like to go. Um, I, if if I had the the real answer is land in Frankfurt, uh, run around Germany for a bit, then uh, then hop on a train and head to Switzerland, then from Switzerland into Italy. That's that's what I would do. <laughs> that's a good call. I, I I see myself in Germany in summers as well. Like that's a, that's a summer place for me. I love the beer festivals and just all the various things that go on. It's just such a lively culture that are always, there's a new festival. There's a new thing every single month that you can go participate in, which I love. Did you know that they canceled the Oktoberfest this year? Yes. Yes, I did. Yep. It's kind of a bummer, but I think it's a, a sign of things to come. Um, yeah, I, I think, I think, uh, it's a bit of overreaction, uh, but but when you're planning gigantic events, like there's so many moving parts that to guess about that uncertainty uh, for later in the year, uh, you might as well cancel it because so many people, millions of people have to make plans around it. And and it's easier to just remove that uncertainty than to unwind, unwind it after you've made it. Agreed. This has been a really cool conversation, Tim. I appreciate your time. If you wouldn't mind answering one more question, though, or not answering, but just kind of giving the audience some little bit of inspiration before we part ways, just about somebody who's listening right now, if they want to start that online business, if they want to take that first trip but are a little apprehensive, what kind of advice could you give them to start? I really know yourself. like Know why, why you're doing it. And, and looking at that reasoning – and seeing what you're trying to start. Does it does the thing you're trying to start actually fulfill what you're after? And and if if you can if you can look into that uh, into that uh, kernel and uh, and be able to nurture it because if they align, if the things actually align, you end up building something amazing. You end up building a life that you love. You end up building a success that you love. Uh, if you 
ignore, if you ignore it, uh, you bury the thing that you are truly after, you'll, you can end up creating a, a success that you don't like. And a lot of people, especially Americans, don't believe that success can be something that you, that you don't like. And I want everyone who goes into business to, to succeed, but also to love the success that they get. Very wise words, my friend. Thank you so much for joining us. So people out there listening, please check him out on YouTube, Tim, Tim Conley. Just search him on YouTube. You'll find him. And um, is there anything else you'd like to add, Tim? No, no. Uh, it's, been, it's been an interesting conversation. Thank you for your time, my friend. Awesome, Tim. Thank you so much for your time. Again, this really just struck so many chords inside me, really got my head in the right place, I think. And like we talked about, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I definitely made a lot of those same mistakes that you talked about of doing this really solely for me, trying to design that life of freedom, making money wherever I wanted around the world, ideally having it be passive income so I could just continue to do what I loved, which is surfing and just enjoying the company of unique, interesting people. And that's definitely been a mistake. I haven't really focused enough on the value that I'm providing to individuals out there and listening to what kind of services or products that they're desiring from me within the businesses that I have started. So thank you for that. Thank you for dropping all that wonderful knowledge on us. And please remember to hit subscribe. If you'd like to go to Patreon and give a monthly donation, that's awesome, but not expected. Getting Misfits and Rejects t-shirt as well and sending me a photo. Would love that. If you want to rate Misfits and Rejects, give us a five-star rating, please. We always appreciate that. And obviously, if you know somebody who would benefit from this episode, please share it. We also appreciate you for doing that. So thank you so much for listening. I think you all are so very beautiful. I'll see you next week's episode, Monday morning, 9 a.m. Take care. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it the perfect one for you and I'll see you next time